0: Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study begins on the topic of honest Advent. We'll be focusing on the Annunciation today as we look deeper into Luke chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Let's dig in. As we come to the season of Advent, we experience a season of waiting I know that many of you, like me, perhaps like to rush into the celebration of the Christmas season. Uh, you want to put the tree up as soon as possible. You want to listen to Christmas music as soon as possible. You want to get those Christmas presents bought. You want to get all of the items that are on the calendar for celebration and making mirth and merry with friends and with family. All of those things are a part of this celebration. We want to get right to the celebrating because... December just doesn't seem like enough time to do it. But Advent and the season of Advent, which we sometimes will use interchangeably with the word Christmas, has a very different idea of celebration. The idea of Advent is that we position ourselves for a season in a time of anticipation, in a time of longing, where we reserve some of that celebration of the birth of the Christ child until December 24th or December 25th. It's a little like whenever Sally and I were um, young, we we didn't find out the gender of any of our babies before they were born. And so uh, I know that we were a little rare these days for doing that when we had the opportunity to do so, but it helped magnify the celebration of the birth because <laughs> there was a great deal of anticipation and expectation and perhaps wagering as to what the gender of the child would be. So I had to wait until that day of birth in order to experience it. If we had known the gender, uh, it may not have made our celebration any less merry at the birth of our kids, but there wouldn't have been as much maybe anticipation for the arrival. And so that's what we experience with, Advent is a season where we reserve some of our celebration, some of our merrymaking until Christmas Day, and we experience this idea of waiting, this idea of longing, this idea of transitional or um, liminal space in between the moment where we know things are about to change. And for a new parent, the arrival of a child is going to bring a lot of change to you. And we understand that the arrival of Jesus is going to bring a lot of change as well. And so today, whenever we jump into the story, we jump into the story of Mary and the Annunciation. What is Annunciation? Well, Annunciation, and I'm using Scott Erickson, who who wrote this book and is the guide for all of our journey over these next few days, Scott Erickson Describes annunciation as an otherworldly being delivering a message from Almighty God. Another worldly being, an angel, in this case, visiting Mary in order to deliver a message, and so um, it's as though Gabriel is working for Amazon Prime or FedEx or UPS or. The United Postal Service, he has a message to deliver, and it is a very important message from God. That is an annunciation. Now, oftentimes, we use that word solely for Mary's message, which is kind of the annunciation. It's not just an annunciation, but it is the annunciation. It is the message from God. The birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, whenever we think of this moment of Annunciation, oftentimes we think of it as being a wonderful thing, a celebration, something that that is to be glorified. We will sing songs about it, and the cantatas and the plays that rehearse this moment oftentimes are filled with great joy because of the arrival of Jesus. but I have to admit that if we were there with Mary, I don't know that we would have been feeling much, if any, joy in that moment. We feel it in retrospect because we see all of the wonderful things that that birth brought along with it. Mary can't yet see those things. Imagine, and maybe this is your story, imagine being told that you are about to give birth to a child and you weren't expecting it. You weren't wanting it. The timing isn't right. The father isn't right. The financial situation isn't right. The professional situation isn't right. The the location where you are, isn't right. Nothing about this is right. And so in a moment where you perhaps feel as though you should be experiencing a great sense of joy, the birth of a child, instead you experience a great deal of conflict in your emotions. You you weren't expecting it. And so now this nine-month period This season of anticipation and expectation is complex. This is perhaps why the angel, when he visits Mary, says, fear not. Mary was probably afraid, as I think any of us would be by being visited by an angel, we think of Small, cute cherubs with with wings. Angels in the Bible are described as being soldiers, as being warriors, as being fierce, battle-hardened, and ready-at-any-moment individuals. So she's seeing an otherworldly apparition, one of great strength, one of great majesty, something that she hasn't ever seen before, and so she's probably afraid. Fear not. But I think that that fear not also goes to the message that she's being given as well. Mary, I know that there's going to be a lot of anticipation. I know that there's going to be a lot of expecting the worst. Fear not. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And I think this confused and disturbed, upset feeling as though something is off in the world and within her not being able to process what is going on is a very valid response to this moment. Mary, the cultural history tells us, could have been as young as 12 years old when this happens. She could have been as old, probably not older than 16. Likely, Mary was on the younger side of that. She was probably 12, 13, potentially 14, 15, or 16. That's when she would have been betrothed to be married to an individual. I have a 12-year-old daughter. I cannot imagine... Mary's feelings in this moment. I can't imagine becoming pregnant in this moment and the complexities of what a pregnancy that is out of wedlock. She was essentially in an engagement period, but she was, she was hitched to, to Joseph. It was marriage without the final consummation of marriage Um, she came and he came from a very religious family, and they lived in a very small backwoods town that was probably mostly, fully, completely Mary's extended family. Imagine a baby bump in a small backwoods religious town that is solely made up of your family where there is nowhere to hide. Confused. Disturbed. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Oftentimes, God's favor is not going to look like a blessing. Often, God's plan is not going to be the one that you would have chosen. Often, the joy that you should be feeling at following God is a should that only the world tells you to feel, but isn't one that matches up with reality. Mary walked her blessed path confused, dazed, fearful, and in moments Alone. Not alone because God left her, but alone because no one else could see or believe or wanted to see or believe that this annunciation, this gift, this message from God was going to be something to celebrate. All great stories come at a cost. And the cost of revelation is that it's going to ask something of us. In the reading for today, which is backed up by the reading in Luke from today, Scott reminds us, and it's a powerful reminder, that a message from God is going to cost something. I can remember as a kid, always praying for God's will. God, if you would just show up and tell me what to do here, point the way left or right, up or down, help me make this decision. Give me some sort of insight. God, I just want to, just want to hear from you. Give me a sign. If an angel could just show up, God, if you could just come into a dream, let me know what to do everything would be okay and i would be happy god does this here for mary and i'm not sure that we would say that mary is happy mary is holy mary is um willing it seems but happiness Oftentimes, following God, hearing his voice and message and doing his will, may not necessarily leave you in the moment happy. I think in retrospect, it will. It's why we celebrate Christmas for 25 days. It's why we celebrate Christmas for Two months. It's why we celebrate Christmas well into January, some of us who won't give up the Christmas music. Because in retrospect, this message of God is one that we can remember and celebrate without fear. But in the moment, it wasn't that way. It's why it's important for us here to experience Advent honestly. And maybe, maybe live in that anticipation. Live in that expectation of the unknown. Of that liminal space. Of the fear. Of the confusion. Of the dazed feelings. Because that's raw. That's humanity. That's the space where we live. The story of Christmas is... Nothing if it isn't a story that reflects where we truly live. Revelation from God is going to require you to have some skin in the game. It's going to cost you something. I think what the Bible continues to prove out over and again is that at the end of the road of that journey, it will have been worth it for you. And for his will. But in the moment. You may be choosing the harder path. In the moment it may require you like Mary to choose the more terrifying path. In the moment it may require you like Mary to choose the path that nobody else says is God's path. But you know. And in the moment. It may mean that you have to walk your path seemingly alone. What if Mary had said no? It's a question I'm not sure I've ever wrestled with, and it's a question I'm not sure that I've ever heard anyone honestly wrestle with. Did Mary have a choice? I don't know. I think she did. I think Mary had a choice. You have a choice. But do you? What if Mary had said no? What if you say no? It's something that we all contemplate. I'm certain Mary contemplated. I'd be lying if I said to you that the easy thing the holy thing, the righteous thing is to immediately say yes to God's annunciations, his messages in your life. But I'd be selling you something as a spiritual leader that simply isn't true. It's a false characterization of what life is really like. And it's a false characterization of how most of the individuals in the scripture responded as well. I think that without the capacity to say no, I'm not sure we can truly say yes. Without the freedom to say no, I'm not sure we can say yes. Without contemplating and wrestling with the opposite side of the coin, we can say yes. Is it wrong if Mary had said no? Is it wrong if we say no to a message from God? I think I'll probably leave that one to the philosophers and the ethicists. I don't know. I'd advise against it. But God has given you free will. And he has me as well. If you've said no to God's plan in the past, I don't think you should feel like God is done with you. If Mary had said no here, I don't think I'd respect her any less. God thought highly enough of her to ask her to carry the hope of the world. That says something about Mary. I think it says something about you as well. Let the past go. Move forward. Understand that following God is going to mean transformation It's going to mean change. It's going to mean complex situations for you. Difficult things that aren't always black and white. You have the freedom. But also, you need to have an understanding that it's going to cost you something. The older we get, the more mature we become, the wiser we get. We understand this. In this season of Christmas, though, many of us are facing those questions and those challenges. Many of us are wrestling with where God has us heading. I think an honest wrestle during the Advent season is perhaps the best time to have an honest wrestle with God. If you're not feeling cheerful or merry, if you have things weighing you down, don't put them in a box and set them aside hoping that they won't peek their head out until sometime after the Christmas cheer. Live in the season of Advent, of the expectation and the waiting, of the unknown, of the fear, the dazing, confusion moments in life. And if you are willing to do that, then you are going to meet God exactly where he was and where all of the characters in the Christmas story were during their Advent as well. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again, the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Again, our mission, that's simple to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on Honest Advent. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.